This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. I wanted to give a quick plug. We are getting so close to the conference that I wanted to make sure that you are registered at ReformationBoise.com. Dr. Jonathan Gibson, Dr. Miles Van Pelt coming to speak on God to Us, this covenantal aspect of the Word of God. Sometimes people will say, well, I don't actually believe in the covenant. I don't believe in covenant theology. I think you should come to the conference. I think you probably do. You just might not know the label. This was my experience when I was younger. I, I didn't realize that I believed in something because we just didn't use certain terminology. The fact of the matter is every Christian believes in covenant theology because God is a God of covenant that, that permeates the scripture. Now, we might disagree on what that looks like um, with regard to covenant theology. Some of us believe things that others might not. But the fact of the matter is we all believe in covenant theology. Some of the nuances um, we're going to differ on. Um, but I think it's that covenant theology that weaves its way through all of scripture that is so beautiful. And I'm so excited to have Dr. Jonathan Gibson and Miles Van Pelt unpack some of that. So go to ReformationBoise.com to register, September 22nd and 23rd. I wish you could um, see my living room at the moment. I was away on vacation for a little while up into Canada to Banff and Jasper National Parks and then came down into Glacier and just returned home. And in the meantime, an order of books came and I really feel bad for the person that was watching my home because this is the massive order of books that I place every year. I, I order a lot of books throughout the year, and then I do one huge order. And that came when I was away, and it is literally like 20-plus huge boxes of books that were delivered. And I know that last year was supposed to be the year where we had the most books. That is not going to be the case. This year there are more. Mm. And so – if nothing else, if you're not even interested in the topic, just come for the book. Yeah. Um, you know, next time you're out of town and you need to do a big book order, just send them to my place. <laughs> That's right. They'll probably, they'll probably be accounted for. Yeah, good, 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 good. So, hopefully you'll join us then. We are going to pick up on a topic that we began yesterday. It's, it's this whole idea of what the, the Puritans used to call the dark night of the soul, uh, the struggle with... Lots of different emotions that bring us into darker places, um, sadness and grief and lament, um, depression, anxiety, fear. Um, it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but the outcome ends up being the, the same. And we left off yesterday talking about are there proper and improper responses to sadness and grief in our lives? And we'd begun talking about that, but I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to follow up on that. Yeah, I think one of the improper ways you, you alluded to when we started the topic yesterday was ignoring it or not having a place for it. Oftentimes through church culture, man, we, we 
put on an inauthentic face or we say everything's fine while we might be dying inside. And so I think that's an improper response is to try to ignore it and or get rid of it or, or even to make yourself busy through it. We talked about that off air is there can be a temptation to just work and process out our emotions through uh, fierce activity. Um, while that can be helpful, just like on the other side of the spectrum, just uh, embracing it and just wallowing in it can be an improper response to to neglect it or, or to fill up your life with activity so you don't have to work through these emotions is an improper response. I, think my, oh, I was just going to follow up and just say my mom had died when I was young, when I was 10, and um, my grandma came to spend a little time with us um, right after my mom had passed away. And what she had us do was literally clean the entire house from the top to bottom and do a thorough cleaning of the house. And I, I was so confused as this 10-year-old boy, like, wait, why are we cleaning the house right now? Why why are we going through all of this and doing all of this work and activity and but that was my, the way my my grandmother dealt with with grief. Just you just get busy. And so that was what we did. We got busy. We cleaned the entire house and I, I as a little kid I was confused. I was like I, I don't know what we're doing. Why are we doing this? It was only until I got older that I realized, oh, that's what my grandma was doing. Sorry, Tim, you were saying. No, I, I think um, on the other side of the spectrum is what you what we often see now is that people just abandon ship. People feel like God didn't come through for them, and so they abandon the faith. They walk away. And it, what I think in that instance is Scripture tells us often that whoever hopes in the Lord will not be put to shame. And we often feel like he's let us down or he's disappointed us. But what that reveals is that we weren't actually hoping in him. We were hoping in him to do what we want. You know, we wanted our own version of the gospel. We wanted our own version of the Christian life, our own version, our own story that we get to write. Um, and, and that's what's disappointing us is that God didn't meet up to our expectations where we don't get to make those calls. We don't get to call those shots. We need to trust in him and allow him uh, to author the story the way that he's going to. Right before I went on vacation, I was in a conversation with somebody who was saying that they had a niece that was no longer attending church because of that very thing, that they felt like God had let them down, mm-hmm. that um, God had not healed her mom of, of cancer. And so because of that, why bother? Um, God isn't worthy of being worshipped because he, he disappoints. Yeah, it just shows that they're looking to the wrong thing, as you said, Pastor Tim, that... Um, Sometimes people, you know, Scripture says that no one seeks after God, no, not one. Sometimes you have people that come into the Christian orbit, and they are seeking something. You know, they're not possibly seeking God there, but they're seeking something. And when that something doesn't arrive on their plate, then they, they, they blame God. And, and as you said, they just they just abandon ship. I've seen this in pastoral ministry, and I'm sure you guys have as well, where, you know, they're missing the mark on, on where they're putting their faith, what they're looking at. And um, that's why, as pastors, our job is continually to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he is sufficient. You know, we, we, we worship God because he is worthy. And regardless of what he gives or doesn't give us or prayers that he answers or does not, I mean, even Paul asked for his affliction to be taken away, his thorn in the flesh, three times. And the response from heaven was, my grace is sufficient for you, you know. He doesn't owe us anything. No. We're sinners. And he's freely obligated himself to us through covenant and through Jesus, but he doesn't owe us anything. It reminds me, I read a line in uh, John Newton's letters, 
and he said that, you know, the believer has no right to complain because he's a sinner. And he has no reason to complain because he know that he knows that his father does all things well. This is going to probably evoke some just cliche answers. I'm hoping that we'll you guys will just nuance it in a way that makes it not that. But where should a Christian turn when when they find themselves in these moments of grief and sorrow and lament? I think I mean a great place to I'm just lean into the cliche is is to turn into the scriptures um, as we talked about in our previous episode, not only for hope and, and for consolation, but also for a place to appropriately express your grief and lament, to find ways to put words to those emotions that are helpful, that are biblical, that are that are God honoring, because there, there there is room to question God, to be frustrated with God, to wonder where God is. We see that as a theme, and so. Um, sometimes even as you, you start to embrace that, that grief and sadness season and recognize it, vocalizing it in prayer through the words of Scripture can be helpful. You know, I would also say Christian community. A couple weeks ago, before we started our worship service, I was doing announcements, and I had to announce the death of the son of some members in our church. And I also had to announce the engagement of, of my daughter, and it's interesting that you started off the series you were reading um, out of Ecclesiastes. There's a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to dance. All of these things take place in Christian community, and sometimes all of them at one given time. And sometimes when we are, you know, in that dark night of the soul, we we want to take ourselves and we want to remove ourselves from Christian community because sometimes we don't want to be a downer towards other people and that's where we actually have to lean into our covenant community you know because we've been called out together and we're a body and all the one another passages loving one another you know bearing one another's burdens that's only done in community so i'd say that'd be my answer along with scripture leaning into community i found it fascinating at it seems like it's more prevalent here than what i i knew in the, the midwest maybe it's just that i'm older now but I've noticed a trend here that when people are going through hard times, losses, or whatever it might be, that they do remove themselves from the church, at least for a moment. They, you know, they, they have a loved one pass away, and then the next week they're not in church. And that was unheard of for me. I never had seen that before coming out here. But to, in my mind, that's exactly when you need to be in church. That's when you. That's the place where you ought to be, is around God's people. And God is a God of love and grace and mercy, but he is a spirit. And so the tangible way we experience that love and tenderness of God is through his people, um, that that is the way in which that can be most directly experienced in a, a human way. And you don't need to have, quote, the right words to say to the person that's, that's going through grief I, as a pastor, often don't say a ton. I just, I just hold people. I hug people. I cry with people. I remind them that I love them. I'm not necessarily quoting profound spiritual truths to them. And there might be a time for it. I just don't find that during the moment of that deep sorrow and grief and, and whatever, that that's, that is the moment that I'm just there. Mm. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm, trying to give permission to a lot of people to say, you can just be there. You don't have to worry. Because people will say, well, I don't know what to say. Yeah. 
Don't say anything. Yep. You You're know, okay. Paul Tripp mentioned that in his book on counseling instruments in the <clears throat> Redeemer's hands. And he said, if you think about the most influential people in your life and you look back on your relationship, you probably don't remember many of the things that they've said, but you remember when they were there, right? And, and it, you know, somebody dies and a person comes to your house, you're probably going to be so overwhelmed with emotion that you're not going to remember the conversations that you had, mm-hmm. but you will remember the people that were there. So what happens when you turn to the Lord in prayer, you you read the scriptures, you're in community, you've done all of the, quote, right things, but you still struggle with some of those feelings, um, struggle with the lament and sorrow, uh, the depression. What resources are available then? Well, I think there's there's four of them sitting around the table. Um, you know, you have your pastor that you can go and, and, and maybe spend some time beyond just the ministry of presence, maybe in that crisis moment, but if this becomes a chronic issue, um, maybe meeting with your pastor to set up and do some spiritual care. Um, we call it soul care at Valley Life, so we're just ministering to the person who's sitting opposite of us, um, using using scripture, but also just a, a listening ear. Um, I think also getting connected to a biblical counseling ministry can be can be a resource for, for Christians. Someone who, as your counselor, aligns with your worldview, so they're going to counsel you into Christ-likeness out of it. Um, so you want to make sure you're measuring that. But I think those are two resources, biblical counseling and your local pastor. I think one of the most underutilized um, resources within the Christian community is our elder saints. Um, they have walked through some of these difficulties, some of these valleys, some of, the, some of these hard times. And I would suggest that they can be a wonderful resource um, for you to unburden yourself too. They have um, two things that are so valuable. They have time and they have wisdom. And um, you can go to them and, and receive much comfort um, and strength and encouragement. Well, we'll continue to look at this tomorrow. Thanks for listening and we'll see you then. <laughs>